This podcast is produced by Yizzy Research, whose mission is to do research and help others do the same. Visit us at yizzyresearch.com. While you're there, sign up for the mailing list to stay updated. Today, you are going to hear my conversation with market researcher Iris Yim. She is the principal of a market research firm called Sparkle Insights. She's been conducting research among multicultural consumers in the United States for more than a decade. In this episode, Iris talks about how market research informs marketing, a recent market research project she worked on around consumer sentiments about COVID, how she effectively conveys insights to clients, what makes good market research, how she uses census data to inform her samples, skills and competencies needed to excel in market research, and lastly, the role of an MBA in market research. Welcome to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for aspiring researchers, current researchers, and research enthusiasts. I'm your host, Imani, also known as Izzy, and I am the founder, CEO, and principal researcher of Yizzy Research, a boutique research agency providing UX research services, career coaching, and of course, this podcast. Hey, Iris, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm so happy that you were able to be on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. So we're going to talk about some insights. We're going to talk about market research. And we're going to get started with your company, Sparkle Insights. So tell us more about Sparkle Insights. Sparkle Insights is a multicultural insights consultancy. Um, Our elevator pitch is that we translate consumer voice and cultural insights to help clients communicate more effectively and authentically. It is a full-service market research firm. Um, we provide qualitative, quantitative research and also online community services. And what other services does the, does the company offer? So, for example, you said you're full-service. So what does that mean in, ter- in terms of offerings? Well, um, we offer... Um, different methodologies. Well, on the qualitative side, we'll, we do, you know, traditional in-person focus groups, but also um, online qualitative methodologies that such as, you know, video focus groups, um, online bulletin boards, and also um, video diaries, um, ethnographies. On the quantitative side, uh, mostly online surveys, um, but we also do hybrid qualitative and quantitative research. It could be, you know, um, either... Um, an online bulletin board uh, project with more than a hundred, you know, respondents. In which case, you get you know um, in-depth um, information and insights from the respondents. But also because you know a hundred respondents, that's a pretty you know sizable base. You can actually you know um, create some charts, you know, um, and report some numbers in the same study. So you said that Sparkle Insights does, in normal circumstances, does uh, work in person and remotely. So I imagine everything has been remote now due to the pandemic. How has that transition been for you? Well, actually, um, it has been a smooth transition because even um, before the um, pandemic, majority of our research, I would say, um, was remote um, because of the industry's transition, you know, from in-person more and more to online. And nowadays, you know, there are um, a lot of uh, different research tools, platforms that that really um, gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of methodology. Why do you think that even before the pandemic, that the market research industry was transitioning from being mostly in-person in terms of methods 
to being more friendly to more digital methods? Uh, I think you know part of it is like I mentioned, you know, because of the availability of different research tools, um, because of the you know different research platforms. It and another reason is of course you know um, efficiency in terms of uh, time and cost, right? Um, using this um, same example that um, I mentioned earlier, uh, um, for example, if I can conduct. Um, an online bulletin board study, but with you know um, four segments, for example, um, running four boards, Caucasian, Hispanic, African American, Asian Americans, you know, simultaneously, and um, we can finish you know um, the data collection or the you know online interviews, um, information collection within a week instead of um, doing in-person research, then you would be, you know, flying from city to city, multiple markets, and also um, doing groups among these different segments, it will probably take at least two weeks, no, three weeks, and for um, field work alone, right? So um, if we could run the online discussion board simultaneously among multiple segments, we um, we can also, you know, um, in addition to shorten the field work time, then we will also be able to um, deliver the report in a more um, timely manner because all the information is, you know, on the um, research platform, you know, available um, in real time. Wow. So like you said, it's more efficient you don't have to worry about traveling. It's cheaper. You can probably reach more people and a more diverse set of people because they're not limited by those physical constraints as well. Correct. Yeah. For online research studies, we typically recruit nationwide. That's awesome. And in terms of market research and marketing, what is the relationship between the two? Um, market research informs marketing in impacting business decision making at um, every step of the marketing process, um, from understanding market opportunities to um, segmenting the market, selecting and profiling your target audience, to um, evaluating your positioning, um, territories, and advertising creatives. So uh, it really um, makes you um, helps you make better decisions. You know, um, along the um, entire marketing process and help you make um, your targeting and communication more effective and, of course, um, help you avoid making serious mistakes. And Sparkle Insights specializes in multicultural market research. Let's say a client comes to Sparkle Insights, right, and they need help understanding their multicultural customers. What is the first thing you do to help them understand? Uh, well, it really depends on where this client is on their um, multicultural marketing journey because, you know, uh, multicultural marketing, it is a um, practice that, you know, um, has been established you know, um, over the uh, past two decades. Uh, some companies, they have established multicultural marketing practices. They have you know, agencies on record, uh, but some companies, you know, um, they may not be familiar with the concept or they are just you know, um, starting to explore um, this space. So for clients um, that they are just beginning to explore multicultural marketing, um, but even for the, these clients, they probably 
have done some, you know, secondary research. They have made their business case, you know, um, internally, um, because it, when they come to us, you no know, market research firm, then because market research it is investment, right? So um, they will have done some um, research to justify um, the spending. But um, to answer your question, to help a client to uh, um, understand multicultural markets, um, we would. Uh, do one-on-one you know, multicultural uh, marketing presentations, usually helping um, the clients educate their internal clients. Um, and also um, the next step would be to conduct an awareness and usage study to broadly understand um, consumer behaviors in the client's category um, and also competition. Awareness and usage studies can be um, qualitative or quantitative and um, ideally, if you have the resources, um, doing both. You're well-versed in so many methods, like both the qualitative and the quantitative. So how do you determine which methods to implement for a client's project? It really depends on um, the client's research objectives, um, the target audience, and their preferences, because some clients know they have um, preferences for specific methodologies. and and timing, right? Um, for example, like some clients, they already have specific methodology in mind when they come to us and they will outline everything you know, in the RFP. So they are you know, trying to um, get estimates from um, different research partners to help them make the decision more from a budget point of view. But if they are um, flexible and open to suggestions, Um, My personal preference is to suggest something that is um, hyper qualitative and quantitative uh, so that you have numbers to show and um, make your business case, but also qualitative findings such as verbatims, visuals, or video clips to bring the consumer story to life. I love what you said about including video clips or audio clips from the actual research to help represent the voice of the customer. I mean, quite literally (laughs) and also figuratively, right? Because even as a UX researcher, I've started implementing that over the past year. And I've noticed that a lot of my stakeholders, they're so much more engaged when they can actually hear, they can hear, they can hear words and sentiments and feelings from the actual mouth of their customers. So I love that you, you introduced, you do that as well in market research so you you work with a variety of clients, right? So tell us about one of your favorite client projects. What problem did they have? What methods did you employ to help address the problem? What were their findings? Can you tell us some more about that? Well, um, the study that came to mind is this, a study that um, we conducted um, last year. Um, we conducted a video diary study on consumer sentiments about COVID-19 in May last year. So at the height of the pandemic, you know, there was um, a great deal of uncertainty. Everything was evolving so fast. Um, so we needed to do the um, research fast. Um, we recruited 40 respondents, um, Caucasian, Hispanic, African-American and Asian-American respondents, and asked them to answer a few questions about um, how the um, pandemic impacted their life and how they felt about the situation, um, all in video format. What makes this study different from um, other studies is that we um, conducted the interviews and delivered the video report in a week, literally in a week. We started interviews on a Monday and delivered the video report the following Monday. Wow. 
yeah, I don't know what I was thinking when I <laughs> committed to that, but we but we made it, we made it. Um, but because of the fast um delivery of the re- with the video report, the client and her team, you know, were able to move up their um entire schedule of communications and response to COVID nineteen, and the video clips from you know, the the respondents, you know, were so powerful. The video report was you know, circulated. Uh, shared widely within the company, uh, it was um, a very meaningful project. How do you know? So when you're listening, when you're doing research and you're listening to customers talk, right? As a researcher, I know personally everything they say seems important to me, right? However, for your other stakeholders, they probably don't feel the same way. So how do you figure out what insights to share with your stakeholders? Um, you mean in the report, right? Yes. So, um, when we are working with clients, um, to develop research instruments such as, you know, questionnaire and the, the discussion guide, uh, those documents will cover all the, um, topics considered relevant by the research client, right? So the report will cover, you know, um, all of that, but, I would say that in the executive uh, summary, because, you know, um, usually <laughs> um, on the client side, the market research manager is probably the only one that reads the entire report. Um, the internal client team, you know, um, the only thing they read will be the executive summary, um, uh, if they read it at all. So it is very important for the executive summary to um contain information, you know, that answers the um, research questions and business questions um, in a clear and succinct and visual way to get the um, the most important findings across. Um, what I mean by, you know, relevant findings is that you need to put um, everything in the context um, of the um business um, question and ideally you know using the client's terminology and so that you know um, it will be easier for them to um, understand the findings you also mentioned a little bit earlier that as a result of covid you had to produce a research project very quickly for a client how do you feel about doing fast research as opposed to more um, longitudinal strategic research? I think it depends on the um, the research objectives. Uh, if you are doing strategic planning, uh, of course, that will be a more comprehensive, more complicated um, research, and it takes time to... Um, to conduct the research because it needs to be properly designed and also the because you know strategic planning research usually um, answers more complicated business questions so the um, analysis will also take time however if you are um, evaluating creatives um, the timeline is usually shorter because um, the creative team you know they are also on a very a tight schedule, they need to um, get the feedback fast and make the changes and deliver their creatives, right, by by the deadline. So um, 
So creative evaluation um, research studies are usually uh, conducted, you know, um, on a tighter schedule. And what makes market research good or high quality? Do you think that uh, good research is done over a long period of time or that, that doesn't really matter? What do you think makes good market research? Well, I think timing it, and cost, you know, is part of it. But personally, I think the um, analysis and the report is the most important factor in determining um, good market research. Well, um, because the report is the single most important deliverable um, in the market research process. Um, that's the only thing that lives on, on the client side. And of course, you know, the research needs to be, you know, um, well-designed and the prop, um, data collection needs to be done right. Um, but a report that answers um, business and research questions in a clear, succinct way and helps the client team um, understand the issues and take action upon it, um, that's the most important factor in doing good market research. Otherwise, it's just a report that sits on the shelf while sitting in your computer file. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And so an important part of market research or any research project is sampling. So especially since you work, you specialize with multicultural populations, right? How do you ensure that a sample is representative? Well, I think that it depends on how you interpret um sample being representative, right? Um, I think because the um, the demographics in the U.S. have become more diverse, it's really important for you to, um, uh, when you design the sample, to consider the, um, the target market, you know, as a whole, but also um, including important segments so you are not missing um, important insights and business opportunities for these growing segments. Um, for example, you know, if you are simply um, doing representative, quote-unquote, representative example, meaning, you know, um, using certain quotas, majority Caucasian, you know, um, 13, 14% Hispanic, you know, maybe 12% um, African-American and 6% um, Asian-American. You know, that is a um, traditionally defined representative sample, but some of the insights may be lost um, because if you don't have a readable sample for the different you know, multicultural segments, then when you are doing an analysis, then, you know, their voices will be lost um, in the um, data set. Uh, for example, if you are doing a survey, you know, with 500 sample, 6%, you know, um, that's the percentage of Asian Americans, you know, of the total U.S. population. 6% of 500 is 30. That's not a readable sample. So that segment's voice is going to be lost in the overall analysis. And I can give you another um, example that um, I did a um, luxury jewelry study. Um, and it was a general market research. Um, I, I had respondents, you know, Again, majority Caucasian, you know, 
some African Americans, some Hispanic, you know, maybe Asian respondents within the、um, focus group, and I could、um, clearly see that, for example, you know,、um, there were a few African American male respondents across different groups. They mentioned that they purchased diamond jewelry for themselves. Which I would think, you know,、um, is and it's something that's distinct their behaviors from you know、um, other segments,、um, and it is a it could be a, an important business opportunity. However, you know, when I was doing the overall analysis, I couldn't pinpoint this because、um, I didn't have like separate breakout、um, African African American focus groups. I would have no base.、Um, For my observations, it also seems like, in terms of sampling, especially for multicultural populations, census data seems to be pretty important in your process. You mentioned that, for example, six、um, percent of the population in the United States is Asian American, and you mentioned that, let's say, if you had a sample of five hundred respondents, you would try to make sure at least six percent of them were Asian to represent、uh, the U.S. Can you talk more about the role of census data in your sampling for your individual projects? Normally, we would use you know some、um, census data as a guideline in、um, sample design. For example, if you have、um, a Hispanic you know、um, component in the research, then you know we would、um, look at the、um, the percentage of different Hispanic nationalities. For example, you know Mexican, Cuban, Puerto Rican. Um, Central American,、um, South South American. You know, we would、um, impose some soft quota to make sure that you know、um, it is a representative、um, sample for the Hispanic、um, demographic, and and also U.S. born and foreign born. Same thing for、um, African. I'm sorry,、um, for、um, Asian Americans. No, because the Asian American、um, segment it is you know、um, also very diverse. You know, of, composed of different nationalities, and also very importantly, the、um, Asian American segment it is two thirds foreign born,、um, and which is different from the Hispanic. Hispanic is two thirds U.S. born. <laughs> so、um, those are very important quotas、um, uh, to make sure that your、um, Your sample for these segments, you know, are、um, representative. Well, to the extent that you can, become within the you know、um, budget、um, restrictions. So it sounds like in order to be a successful market researcher, you have to be conscientious, detail oriented, methodical. What other personality traits do you think makes a really good market researcher? It's not so much personality.、Um, Then the, the curiosity、um, and also the drive、um, for continual professional growth and education. Because I mean, you can be extroverted, you can be introverted.、Um, no matter your personality, right?、Um, I think the more important thing is to、um, continue to educate yourself on, you know.、Um, Different research techniques、um, and methodology, and also very importantly,、um, knowledge about marketing. and And I would also highly suggest that、um, 
if you could、um, afford it. Uh, go for an MBA <laughs>、um, because it to be a good Business and industry context,、um, in order to communicate the findings more effectively. I think that's interesting that you mentioned an MBA. Like you said, it gives you some more. It gives you it. It gives you the business context, right? Like you can build up your research skills. But you said if you can, getting an MBA helps you build up that more strategic, business-minded, KPI-minded, which is really helpful when you're trying to do market research because you're looking at everything at a whole at a holistic level. And so, in terms in terms of hard skills, what hard skills do you think that aspiring market researchers should have? So, obviously, I would assume being good at math.、Um, would you agree with that, or would you say that there are other hard skills as well? What do you think、uh, an aspiring market researcher needs in terms of those hard skills?、Um, I would say, you know,、um, depends on whether you、um, do. Quantitative research or quantitative research, because you, if you are、um, a moderator, right? I think math is probably not <laughs> a critical skill. Uh, <laughs> um, so, it, so yeah, it depends on、um, what field of market research you are in.、Um, if you are interested in、um, doing quantitative research. Uh, QRCA, which stands for Quantitative Research Consultants Association, is a good place for professional education and networking.、Um, if you are more interested on the quant side, I know that、um, University of Georgia they have a market research program, so that's more、um, on the quant side.、Um, in terms of other skills, I would say, in addition to methodology. And probably communication, you know, either、um, speaking or writing, <laughs> because、um, oftentimes you will need to、uh, deliver the findings over a phone presentation or nowadays, you know, a Zoom presentation.、Um, and also, well,、um, I, for for writing, I guess we already discussed, you know, the importance of、um, of delivering a、um, good report, you know.、Um, And presenting findings, you know,、um, in a clear and succinct way in that report. So you need a really good balance of the qual and the quant. Like you said, it depends on what you want to do in market research. So if you want to moderate a focus group, for example, you probably don't need a stats degree. <laughs> Let's say if you want to do more quantitative market research, having a more rigorous.、Uh, Quantitative background would be helpful. That makes sense. And I also appreciate the fact that you mentioned communication skills. Right? There's no point in doing all this research if you don't know how to communicate it eloquently and appropriately to your stakeholders. So I appreciate that you mentioned that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would say that、um, if you、um, want to have your own practice, <laughs> it's very important.、Um, And also, ideally, you know, you、um, 
you would want to be a well-rounded researcher, meaning that you know um, you are well-versed and have experience you know, in both qualitative and quantitative research, so that you are um, not limited in your service offering. And also, you know, if you do both, it it will um, enable you to provide more research solutions to your clients. Because um, my observation is that. <laughs> If um, you only do qualitative, obviously, you know, you have bias preference for qualitative research methodologies. You're t- trying to make the argument, you know, why qualitative is important or more important than quantitative and vice versa for quantitative. So I think that, you know, it's really important to, um, to know both and do both. The last question here, if someone wants to work on their own as a market researcher, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give them? Um, yeah, I think that um, I touched upon this um, previously. So if you want to be on your own, ideally, you need to be a well-rounded researcher you know, with skills in both qualitative and quantitative research so that you are not limited in your service offering. Um, another thing is you know, um, join industry organizations um, so that you can build your network for mentorship and support. Um, like QRCA is one, you know, um, organization and there are other insights associations um, around and also if you are um, interested in multicultural uh, marketing um, the ANA you know they have a um, a unit called called um, alliance for inclusive and I think multicultural <laughs> um, marketing and um, that focuses on multicultural marketing and and you know um, I would say other than research um, organizations joining um, marketing associations such as AMA as well so that you can um, understand you know the um, the mindset of marketers you know um, what they're thinking and another thing is um, yeah, if you could afford it and get an MBA, but even if you don't um, have the resources or the time to do a full MBA, you know, the, nowadays there are a lot of um, options for um, business and executive education, you know, um, for you to um, get the get education, the knowledge you need, you know, um, from a business point of view. To summarize, so number one, being well-rounded, having a balance of qualitative and quantitative methods in your toolbox Number two, joining a variety of market research and marketing organizations. And number three, if you can afford to do so, get an MBA. Uh, correct. Or, you know, you can do other um, education training. I'm sorry, um, executive training programs, you know, to get the business and marketing you know, um, perspectives and education. One of the most insightful parts of our conversation was Iris's opinion on the role of MBAs in market research. As a UX researcher, I often take for granted how market researchers can really benefit from having general business knowledge and a formal business education and not just having research experience. I do wonder if MBAs will be on the rise for UX researchers in the future. Who knows? Though not a UX researcher, Iris shared an important piece of advice for sharing insights with stakeholders. She discussed including snippets from conversations with respondents in the final deliverable so that stakeholders can literally and figuratively hear the voice of the customer. Representing the customer and ensuring that they are understood is something that unites market researchers and UX researchers. Thanks for listening. 
subscribe for updates on new episodes. If you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, or if you are looking to hire someone to help you understand your users and your customers, visit yizzyresearch.com. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Yizzy Research. That's Y-Z-Z-I Research. Bye for now.